Alrighty, everyone, welcome back. This is Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, bringing you another episode of Monday Madness on September 5th, 2023. This episode is coming out post-Labor Day, so hopefully you enjoyed your long weekend. I had the time to pursue a little extra cooking, so I whipped up some fish and chips one night that were pretty damn tasty, along with some red beans and rice that a Louisiana native told me was very close to tasting authentic. What about you folks? Do you enjoy cooking in your free time? If so, go ahead and shoot us an email at podcast at rarepetro.com with your recipes. I will give anything a shot and even give it a quick little review in the next episode if anyone ends up sharing anything at all. But you didn't come here to listen to a culinary enthusiast brag about beans and rice. You came here to get the most revealing statistics and biggest news stories in the energy space, so let's get to it. I do have good news to start with. If you hadn't been keeping an eye out on commodity prices, boy, are you in for a surprise. This time last week, things were looking all right as we were enjoying some $81 oil. It is not triple digits, but it was a hell of a lot better than anything in the 70s. When we hit Thursday and Friday, we were shot from $81 all the way to $85 before we hit the weekend. And this is because of something we'll get into a little bit later, but either way, still massive news. If you're keeping score at home, you may realize that this is the highest barrel price we've seen since November of last year. As if that wasn't already good enough, the price this morning shot towards 88 twice and was even two cents away from touching it. At the moment of writing this script, that price has fallen a little bit back to 87.42, but I do imagine it's probably going to settle around 85 if we're lucky, though. I can definitely see it falling much lower. So that is WTI, but what about Brent? Brent has successfully broken past $90 and sits at $90.47 at the moment. This is just above a $3.20 spread, but this is because commodities experience such a wild volatility shock and they're likely still finding some balance, or they're prepping to drop right back down to the low 80s. Natural gas has just absolutely ignored the other commodities and dropped 20 cents in price over the same time period. It sounds bad, but it is exactly where it has remained for the better part this year, so at least 250 gas is predictable? I don't know. I wouldn't let that distract you from the excellent news that we've seen this week, so let's try and keep that news rolling, and I will tell you why we're seeing such insane price gains a little bit later. Next is the rig count, and I actually have some good news this week. I suppose I should say this is good news relative to previous weeks. The rig count in the U.S. has only fallen one rig week over week, bringing our total down to 631, which is 129 fewer rigs than we had this time last year. This is a much better report than we've seen in recent weeks because usually we have been down 5 to 12 rigs, so this one ain't too bad. Don't get me wrong, I'm not predicting that the trend is slowing. In order to claim that, I think we would have to see a few weeks in a row where the rig count maybe falls one or two rigs. Unfortunately, I just don't think we're quite there yet. As far as data goes, per the major basins, the Canna Woodford and DJ Nabrera each added one rig to their total. The Arcoma Woodford, Marcellus, and Permian each lost one, while it was actually the Eagleford who took the biggest hit and dropped two. It is far calmer from a state perspective, as Colorado is the only state that was able to gain a rig while both Texas and West Virginia lost a rig. Surprisingly, we are seeing one more rig in the Gulf, too. Since there wasn't a huge change to the rig count, we don't see a ton of emphasis on what types of rigs are being dropped, but I imagine the ones making horizontal hole are still losing favor the fastest. 
This is the smallest rig decrease we've seen since the start of June, when we once again reported a one rig decrease. If you've got a good memory, you will recall that we saw a six rig increase at the start of July, but that was the only positive rig count we've witnessed in 18 weeks. That's right, the last positive rig count we had before July was all the way back in, I think, the end of April. So that means in 18 weeks, we are down a total of 124 rigs. And that's 129 rigs on the year, 124 rigs in 18 weeks. Ouch. Still, at least this week, it slowed to one, but I wouldn't hold my breath and expect any of this to slow or start going sideways anytime soon. I think we still have plenty of room to fall before we hit a floor. Lastly, we have our inventory report that we review weekly as our Thirsty Thursday periodical. You can find it on our website, www.rarepetro.com, or I can get you some quick details if you did miss it. So here's the bare bones. After an overwhelming month of drawdowns, the EIA was not shy in predicting another three and a quarter million barrel drawdown. Imagine their surprise when they ended up reporting another greater than 10 million barrel drawdown. The API also predicted and reported strikingly similar numbers to the EIA. They predicted a slightly smaller drawdown of just less than 3 million barrels, identical to the previous weeks, but ended up reporting an even larger drawdown of close to 11.5 million. As you might imagine, this looks incredible on a week-over-week -week change graph with a large emphasis of lines pulling down below zero four out of the five previous weeks. In five weeks, the EIA's numbers show we have decreased domestic inventory levels by nearly 34 million barrels. And also as a side note, I didn't initially include this in my notes, but I did find it later. Uh, the SPR, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, has been building its inventories for about four weeks now instead of selling off massively. So could be an interesting little coincidence that <laughs> when we're not dumping a bunch of oil into the market, we're actually seeing significant drawdowns. But hey, just a little food for thought. On the cumulative graph, we are dangerously close to establishing a trend that will break into new five-year historical lows in the middle of September. It is likely trajectories will change as we are making small but significant builds to the inventory this time last year, but like I said, a lot of that data was artificially inflated by the US SPR releases. So the top end could be anywhere, but the bottom we are pretty sure about. Now that those have stopped, the market appears to be out of balance, at least in the sense of establishing a healthy base of domestic crude inventories. Gasoline inventories have decreased by only 200,000 barrels, which essentially means they've remained stable over the week. No major changes here, and that seems to bring some relief to the pricing. The average gasoline price in the U.S. has decreased by about 1.2 cents per gallon, hey, a little better than nothing, from last week, and diesel, on the other hand, has come down by a little more than half a cent, so not as good, but a decrease is a decrease no matter how small. California has defended its championship belt of heavyweight gasoline prices as it averages 5 to 96 per gallon. Mississippi continues to celebrate the cheapest national gallon at 3305. Let's hope gasoline prices can remain on this downward, albeit very slight downward trajectory, so that all of our wallets can share a sigh of relief. Distillates are fighting hard and just might pull up before they crash into the boundary of the historical low, though we will see in about four weeks' time. Propane exhibits a surprising and cool amount of stability as it maintains a steady trajectory and just barely tops historically normal territory, as it is about 16 million barrels above the median of an almost 80 million barrels for this time period. So now we've finally reached the news portion of this podcast, and I'm sure some of you likely have this question on your minds. 
why the hell are WTI and Brent prices so high? Well, if you hadn't heard, there were some more production cuts. It was Saudi Arabia and Russia once again, and everyone kind of expected another extension of production cuts. I mean, it wasn't guaranteed, but if you told someone it happened, they wouldn't be surprised. But that's not quite the extent of what they announced this time. We've seen one-month extensions a few times before, but this time they extended the cuts three months to the end of the year. According to an analyst from OANDA Forex, quote, it would appear they're trying to double down and capitalize on the recent price moves, put a bigger buffer in place for when the cuts end, end quote. There are lots of barrels controlled by OPEC+, Plus, so this could do some crazy things for energy prices. And like this analyst said, the more they do so now, the more of a cushion they have when they lift all production restrictions. It is predicted to leave us with a market deficit of 1.5 million barrels per day in the fourth quarter of 2023. And another notable thing is that the front month contract of Brent rose to a $4 premium when the news was announced compared to the six month contract in a structure known as backwardation. This doesn't happen often, and it is typically very indicative of tightening supply of upfront commodities. This could push us into the range of $90 WTI very easily and potentially quite higher through winter. That's when a lot of these resources get used, makes sense, so I don't know. Keep your fingers crossed and we'll start taking bets. I doubt we'll experience a biblical shortage, but I would not be surprised if we busted triple digits come the start of next year. I guess the good news is that we de-escalated our probability of a U.S. recession within a year from 20% to 15%, but perhaps that goes right back up with this newly announced cut. Well, extension of cuts. The easiest way to hit us where it hurts is to reprice oil so that's no longer traded in U.S. dollars, but the next best thing is to get energy to be way more expensive than anticipated. But ladies and gentlemen, that is all we've got for this episode today. If you are in dire need of additional energy content, search back in the catalog of this very podcast. Otherwise, you can check out our YouTube channel under the very same name. Lots of interesting energy history topics there. Otherwise, we have tons of stuff all over our website, www.rarepetro.com, from our favorite news sources to in-house research periodicals. There is certainly no shortage of content. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, and until we see you next time, take care, everybody. Bye.